0: Talk radio, 96.7. Yes, we're going to talk a little sporting action because you are in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash.
1: All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. We're talking sports. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at Hallradio.net. That's ozone at net. Well, a lot of stuff going on in sports. You know, we've got all these bad stories, and a really heartwarming thing happened in Toronto where Aaron Judge hit a home run into the second deck, and a Toronto Blue Jays fan caught it, and there was a little boy sitting behind him who was a Yankees fan that had on a Judd jersey. And the guy turned around, gave the ball to the little boy. The little boy looked to be, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And the little boy just burst into tears and hugged the guy. And it was just a really heartwarming moment. And you love to see that kind of stuff in sports.
2: There's all kinds of bad things going on. Well, that was something really good, Coach Joe. That was a great story. You know, there are a couple of cool things going on in baseball this week. There was that. There was the uh, video of the foul ball that was caught by the dad as he was holding and feeding his infant <laughs> child and still made the one handed catch. That was spectacular. And also on the field, our man Alex Vado, uh got his first start yesterday for the Tigers against the Pirates. He went five innings, gave up uh, just the two runs, and left. Uh, with a t- in a tie game, although the Tigers eventually went on to lose. Not his fault. He pitched well in his major league debut. Very exciting story up there in Detroit for our, for our uh, great former Gator.
1: Yes, he had undergone Tommy John surgery, and um, it set him back a little bit. You know, he was the Tigers' first draft choice, I think, a couple of years ago, and um, unfortunately that set him back. But it's good to see him make the majors. You know, his dad was his high school coach over there in Tampa, and in 2017, when the Gators won the national championship in baseball, I went out to Omaha, and uh, I was staying in the same hotel with his parents and um, rode on the bus with them over to the game. It was a really neat experience. His mom was very talkative. His dad's quiet, doesn't say much, <laughs> but
2: his mom, if you want some information, you got it from his mom. Yeah, it's it's uh, very, very great to see him succeeding uh, as well as other Gators on the baseball field. But you know what? I've been watching a lot this past week, Ronnie. It's been on a bunch, and I've been just really catching up and enjoying watching the Gator softball team. Uh, those girls are playing terrific. They went up to Baton Rouge and took two out of three from LSU. And now, last night, they were in Tallahassee and they lost on a walk off home run in the bottom of the seventh inning but what was otherwise a really great game. Gators right now are around the 10th-ranked team, so they might not get one of those magical top eight seeds, but they're looking very strong as they head into conference tournament play uh, in about a week. They're going to have a a few more non-conference games to tune up. They're uh, a slow start, but they are really coming on strong. I like that team a lot. And you know what? I really like watching the softball as well because those players, if you wonder – you know we, we talk so much about money in sports and this and that and uh, with with softball players, if you just like watching sports to see the players enjoying themselves and having fun then that's the sport you want to watch because those those girls are out there no matter what the situation even in a high pressure situation in a close game, they're smiling having a good time and enjoying enjoying it no matter what the result and and sometimes you know sports and it's so serious especially at the professional level, and at, at the uh, at the high college level, it's it's nice to see players knowing that it's a game and that they're having a good time playing it, and they're playing it with high skill. So I really enjoyed watching them play. I'm looking forward to this month.
1: Yeah, you know, in Major League Baseball, the Yankees have gotten off to a tremendous start. They're 18-7. and seven. But the odd thing is that they haven't run off and hide, hidden, I'm sure. The Blue Jays are only two and a half games back. The Rays, three. And uh, same thing with the Dodgers. They're 18-8, and and they're only three games – or 18 and – let's see, 18 and – 16 and 7, I'm sorry. But they're only one game ahead of the Padres. The Brewers are 18-8. and and They're only three games up. So the good thing is that the other teams have gotten off to good starts too. And, um, you know, it's it's not fun when one team goes off and hides from the others, especially if they go off and hide early in the season. And, you know, somebody goes – we'll Say wins 20 out of their first 25 or something like that, and the other teams are 10 games out by that point, then the season's you know, it's hard to catch up. You got to play like 800 baseball while they play 500 baseball for the rest of the year. But we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Judd Davis, the 1993 Lou Groza Award winner for the Florida Gators. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.
3: This is Otis Bird formerly of the Winter Haven Blue Devils and four-time NBA All-Star, and you are listening to the great Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone.
0: zone Hey, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The ozone tonight, as usual, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors.
1: All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the ozone. We specialize in all-star guests, and with us tonight is none other than the nineteen ninety-three Lou Groza Award winner for the Florida Gators, Mister Judd Davis. Judd, welcome to the ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
4: Ronnie, Joe, how you doing, man? Appreciate you having
1: me on. Man, we are doing fantastic. We're excited to have you on, Judd. Um, Let's go back to 1993 against the Georgia Bulldogs. It's raining cats and dogs. (laughs) And you get called on to go out there and kick field goals. And we had Shane Edge on a little earlier. And speaking of Edge, he said that he gave you a little edge to kick out of that quagmire. He said that every time you guys went out there, he would build a little mound of mud for you to kick off of. Any, Any credence to that?
4: Yeah, there might be a little, <laughs> it, it, it was, I mean, you know, before the game, I mean, I don't know what they had three, four inches of rain. And so we, we always go out first to warm up. I don't know if Shane told did the story. So we go out there and we get on the field and the, and the water was kind of thick grass on that field. It was over our cleats and we're just standing there. We didn't even kick and we're, and cause it was raining so hard. that The water's coming down the steps and then it clogged up all the drains. So to get from like the, the bench to the field, you'd, you'd wade. <laughs> through about you know eight inches of wall, it was insane. So we went back in and coach, we walked in, and everybody looked up and coach Coach Spurrier's like, "What, what are you doing?" I said, "Coach, you can't kick out there." So so we go into the game, and I and I remember telling Ed, you said, "Edge, we're not going to attempt any field goals," and I said, "You're probably going to punt about ten times, and we're not going to attempt any field goals." And it turns out we kicked four field goals, and he punted once, and the one <laughs> punt that he hit. It plugged. It went up, and I remember it plugged like a golf ball. You went, it just stuck, and the and the guy picked it up out of the mud and took off. And I mean, that was that was a crazy, crazy football game, man. But you guys remember it went it went all the way down to the wire. Speaking Um, of one of the all time greats, but yeah, it was. I I don't know. I mean, I would just, I Shane would just put it down, and I would just kind of dig my foot down like it was a wedge out of a bad lie, and it would and it (laughs) came out and. And we coach just kept calling field goal, and and I don't know how we we made all four of them, and it turned out to be the difference. But Edge is, uh, tell you what, he's the best holder I've ever I've ever had ever. I mean, he used to hope there was a bad snap, so he could show <laughs> off and, and catch it, right? <laughs> yeah, he, Shane was one hell of an athlete. He, he was, uh, and we we were we were best friends, and it just worked well together. But that game was incredible.
1: Well, I understand you're quite an athlete too. That you're quite a golfer and uh, I heard that you beat coach Spurrier one time. I'm sure he didn't take very well to that, beating him in golf.
4: Well, his big thing is he's never been beaten by a player while he was coaching him, ever at any level and that's he's very very proud of that. So I was on the team and you know I played high golf in high school and I you know I've kept it around a scratch handicap and so he knew I could play and I said, "Hey coach, when are we going to play?" and we never did. So finally it was my beginning of my senior year before and I'm walking down the hall and Coach Spurrier walks by and he says, uh, All right, Judd, today's the day. You be, at, be <laughs> university. So it was me, Brian Schottenheimer, and I can't remember if it was Werfel or Terry Dean. It might have been, I don't remember but so we go to university and I and, and you wanna beat him so badly because just, you know he's in your ear talking, you know, and, and he gets in your head
2: and I had to
4: rally. I shot I shot 40-36 to shoot 76, and he dropped he dropped the 72 on me, right? I, I mean, took me down. And I mean, I I mean, I thought I was gonna crush him. So you know, the next week in practice, we're kicking field goals and coach and and well, I'm glad Judd can kick it straighter than he can those tee shots. You know, love, <laughs> love, and so then I would get for I said okay, well coach, let's go next, let's go again. How about tomorrow? And he goes, nope, you're done.
2: <laughs> we're done. And he goes.
4: He goes, no, you had your chance, and, and he did not play me again until I graduated. And then the, the, the next time we played, we played a Cutsicle Vocala and I shot—I think I shot seventy, and he shot seventy-four. And I think he—he he gave me—he yeah, paid me five bucks in the last on the eighteenth hole. And you'd have thought he just lost the national championship. <laughs> he was, but 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 I tell you, he he still to this day apparently has never been beaten by a player while he was coaching him, and he took me down—that's for sure. Wow. It's just, uh, yeah, he was just he's the most competitive human being I've ever been around.
1: Judd, any parallels between playing golf and kicking field goals?
4: Oh my gosh, it's so similar. It's it's crazy. And I work with a lot of young kids now, um, high school kids and stuff, I and mean, when if they're golfers, I just love it because oh, kicking a football is, is just the same. Your foot obviously is just like the club head. And if you, you can hit you can hook it, you can push it, you can hit it fat. Um, it's exactly the same. And where your plant foot is basically is the same as where like a ball position is in golf. You know, if you're kicking off the ground, like they do in college and the pro your plant foot needs to be farther up because you want to catch ball first. Whereas in high school, if you're kicking off a block, your foot's farther back. It's almost like a, like getting a tee shot in golf with the ball on a tee. So your, your plant foot is farther back and you catch it on the upswing. So it's, it's so similar. And I remember working with Taylor Sturgis, when he first got to Florida and he, you know, he was a freshman, he was very good, but he was still struggling a little bit. And I kind of taught him, I said, you've got to learn how to kick a fade. And, and the reason I remember to do that right before my senior year, right. I mean, I riding high, one the grows old, all American. I thought I was just king of the world. And two <laughs> weeks before the first game, I, I mean, I really, I got, I was in a, I was in a slump and I had never been in a slump before. I just I always went out and kicked and the ball just went where I was aimed. And I couldn't even get the ball to go end over end. I was hitting this pull with, the, like we call it, like the X ball with this crazy rotation. Or I'd block it to the right. And of coach Coach Spurs is just, just, you know, he's giving it to me in practice. Oh, you know, Mr. Groza can't make a few. I mean, it was <laughs> terrible. I remember laying in bed. I remember laying in bed one night, and all of a sudden it dawned on me that I was coming through too far inside. Just like you do with a, you know, a golf club. You're coming through too far inside. You can hit a snap hook, or you can hit a big block out to the right. So I remember laying in bed going, I need to kick a fade. So then I went out there an hour before practice, and in three kicks, I had fixed myself. And basically, it felt like when my, my kicking foot was coming through, I was finishing left. So it felt like I was swinging left, but really, I was catching the ball square. So that way in practice, I went, I went like eight for eight in practice, and the ball was going straight, <laughs> so high and straight, and it would actually fall to the right. And Coach Spurs was like, John, you're fishing. And I said – to coach, of kicking a fade, and he he thought that was the greatest thing in the world because it related to golf. And he goes, you hear that? <laughs> he's kicking a fade. <laughs> oh, so man. He, for the and, and it is, it's truly truly the same motion. And you know, I, I try and when kickers are, are golfers too, and I teach them that, it almost clicks in their head because you feel like you need to come through inside, but it's almost like your your legs finishing going towards the left upright. But at impact, <laughs> it's dead square. So, yeah, I would love to write a book. I've always thought that, but I said "But well, there's not enough people that can give a damn about kicking, so nobody probably
1: buy it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I disagree with you. Cougar Lou is on the line. He wanted to talk to you. Cougar Lou, you're on with Lou Groza Award winner from 1993,
3: Judd Davis. Yeah, Judd, I, I, uh, I know at one time you were the all-time leading scorer with 225 points, correct?
4: Cougar Lou, that is right. Not many people <laughs> remember that, but that's, that is true.
3: Okay, of, of all the field goals, that, I believe you were 15 of 19 in in 1993.
4: Is that is that accurate? Yes, I, I was. And 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 then uh, let's see, my senior year I was 14 to 16. My senior year, I actually had a better, you know, a better senior year. Um, had a hit a 52 yarder my senior year against Mississippi and and. I think a lot of people have always told me that, that, that the, the Florida-Georgia game on national television when I kicked those four field goals is kind of what won, helped me win the girls because so many people saw it.
3: Well, of all the ones that you kicked, is there one that was the most memorable to you? The one when you hit when your head hits the pillow at night, you know, and you want to think happy thoughts about your, <laughs> your, your career, uh, is there one in particular that you go back to?
4: Well, you know, it's funny the one that the the one that I kicked in, uh, to, to to pass because it was it was pretty neat because when I broke the score record, I was I passed Emmett Smith. He was the all time leading scorer, so it was kind of a, kind of a big deal. And you know, for for me, I mean, Emmett Smith, he's, you know, everybody knows the, the legendary Emmett Smith. And it was against Alabama in the SEC championship game, and we were losing seven to ten in the second quarter. And Shane Edge and I had talked about if 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 we have a chance to break the score record, what are we going to do? And so I don't know if y'all remember the, the Lipton ice tea commercials where they would take the tip, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the iced tea, and they'd fall back in the pool, in the pool, right? The nesty plunge. Yeah. So edge, edge, said, let's do it. The nesty plunge. And I'm thinking, what are you? So we decided that it, we were going to kick, we we're going to butt heads like we always did tap helmets, and we were both going to fall backwards to do the plunge. And so we're in the SEC <laughs> championship game, national television, 830, and we go out there for a 42-yarder, and I and, and I remember lining up, and I'm sticking a step. I look at Shane, and he, I look back, and I go, we're going to do it? Talking about the plot, I don't know what we were thinking. And Shane said, heck, yeah, we're doing it. So I hit <laughs> it, and I pulled it a little bit, and I thought, I mean, it, it went through, and Shane stands up, and we still have the video of it, and we butt heads, and we both fall backwards, and we're. I remember laying on my back, staring at the top of the Georgia Dome, <laughs> and um, oh gosh! The head coach for Alabama was on the field screaming. He wanted a personal foul, and Coach Spurrier never saw us do that. And at the end of the year, in the in the team banquet, when they put all the highlights together, they had a they had this music, and they had us like going, and it would like it would it would repeat over and over as we fell backwards, falling on the field. <laughs> Spurrier turns around and looks at our table and looks at Shane and I. He had never seen it. And I remember I just wanted to crawl under the, under the table, and, uh, you know, it was it was pretty funny. So that was that was pretty cool to have a chance to pass Emmett Smith in anything. It was, was pretty, um, you know, memorable. Ooh.
2: Lou, we really Ooh, appreciate you. it. Yeah, we really appreciate you joining us there, Lou. Uh, we're talking tonight with Judd Davis, great hater kicker, a 1993 Lou Groza Award winner. Lou was able to call in at 682-1430. You can, too, 682-1430. We've got a few minutes left here with Judd, who, uh, one person who understands uh, just how difficult that front nine is at university. It, you, know, you know, Judd, it used to kill me, too, because I did a, I, that was my big problem. Was I always blocked everything off to the right. That fifth hole would eat me alive. I'd send more balls over that wall than, uh, than the Gator baseball team oh, does on a good that, night. That, that hole. Oh, that hole is brutal.
4: Yeah, you know, absolute, or you'll or you'll pull it into the woods, right? Oh, oh yeah? I know exactly. Right. Yeah, you're <laughs> there, or
2: you hit a car over there on the road. <laughs> you don't want to be driving by when I was playing that because the the uh, <laughs> the wall was about five feet off the right edge of the green. So anything. No, I,
4: I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. That's a tough hole. That's one of the toughest holes out there.
2: Did Spurrier hit more of a draw or a fade? What sort of game did he have?
4: Um, I think he kind of hit a hit a um, he kind of hit a little fade. You know, he he would talk through his whole golf swing. I mean, they got he's just he was and he he he's so fun to play with. And my my dad has a you know within the last I mean, you know seven eight years ago when Coach was still playing, uh, he's a member at Marsh Creek. And my parents are uh, my parents live in St Augustine, so my dad would play a lot of golf with him at Marsh Creek. And every now and then, I would drive over and play with him. And it's just you know it's so funny how he just does, his memory. I don't know if you guys it's just amazing. He would, we'd be on the third hole and he'd be talking about the field goal that I kicked in the third quarter against Bandy. And he said, yeah, I remember it was fourth and two and we put you in, you know, 38 <laughs> yards 30 for right hash. And I'm, and I'm sitting there looking at my dad and I go, Dad, I have no memory of kicking that field goal. I, I can't remember any of that. And coach, he can remember every play. It's just, it's amazing how oh, that guy he's just, he's he just really is. He really is.
1: He really is. You know what that reminds me of? I know Spurrier can really put the needle to people. And John McKay was like that. Spurrier played for him the first year with the Bucks, And the Bucks had a kicker named Bill Capice. And uh, so, like most coaches do at the end of practice, he would go out there and he'd say, okay, you hit this, you know, this 55-yarder or whatever, then nobody runs. You miss it, everybody runs. And uh, Capice said, Coach, said, you make me nervous standing out here. He said, well, that's going to be a problem because I plan to be at every game. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Coach Spurrier, that's that's great. Coach Spurrier used to make me uh, kick at the end of practice to see how many sprints the team would run, and it was terrible. I mean, it really—we'd kick like we—I mean, he'd go like 45 yards, and he said, "We're going to kick. Judd's going to kick three, and everyone he misses, the team runs." And they would get in a horseshoe around me. Oh, you know, I've done nothing. It's it's 95 degrees. I'm standing around all day, I've done nothing, and here I decide how many sprints these guys run. And and you know, you can't replicate the pressure of 90,000 in the swamp on national television. But I'm telling you what, whenever he did that to me, it I, I swear I was more nervous than any game. Because oh, these, man. These guys, I mean – and and uh, somehow I always – I seem to – I don't know if I ever missed to make the team run, but it was great because when you made them, they'd pick you up over their shoulder, the, the big lineman, and they'd carry you off. <laughs> you know, you got to leave.
1: Judd, so, unfortunately, every, we're out you know, of time. At, um, I wish we had more time. We don't. If you'd hang on the line, we want to get a liner from you. and uh, We're going to have to get you sure. back on because – this just isn't enough time. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, it's always fun to tell good war stories. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: Judd, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Judd.
4: All right, Ronnie. Thanks for having me on,
1: Joe. All right. The great Judd Davis, 1993 Lou Groza Award winner. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe, Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.
0: We'll be back after Kim Commando. Talk Radio 96.7. Well, let's jump right back into Ronnie O. and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors turning scrap metal into cash. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All
1: right. Ronnie O. and Coach Joe back in the Ozone.
0: You know, we had a
1: technological problem. We had an interview with Billy Napier that we're going to play next week when he came to Lakeland. But um, what we thought we'd do is everybody has that rival that you want to beat especially in college football, what I want to do is get people to call in and tell us about playing your rival, beating your favorite, fiercest rival, and your fondest memories of beating that rival. The number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Coach Joe, what are your fondest memories, and who is the fiercest rival you enjoy beating the most?
2: You You mean as far as the team that I root for or actually playing? Well, the, the, for me, it would be the, the Florida State Seminoles. Oh, okay. So, so you're talking about the, the teams that we uh, root for in the case of the Gators? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, we've been talking about it for the better part of the show thanks to uh, Judd Davis. It was definitely the Georgia game in 1993. <laughs> <That's>, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's as yeah. uh, a favorite a game as I can imagine because that is the big rival every year.
1: No doubt. Well, Cougar Lou's back with us, and he has a fond memory. Cougar Lou.
2: I do. I
3: have a very, very fond memory. Uh, our greatest rival at the University of Houston was the University of Texas. And and they were our biggest rival, but we weren't their biggest rival. Their biggest rival was Texas A&M. And we were kind of just a fly in the ointment in the Southwest Conference. and uh, And that's why beating them was extra special, especially in 1988, November 5th, when we went up there uh, to Austin, Texas, and beat them, we gave them the worst beating they ever had in that stadium, 66 to 15. Now, to to understand how great a victory this was, we played the University of Texas in football 25 times. We've beaten them seven times. They beat us 16 times, <clears throat> and we've tied twice. And so, Going up there and this was the this was actually uh, the, uh, the 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 day that Andre Ware got his uh, his coming out party. Uh, this was uh, we prior to, to him coming into the game, David Dacus was our starter and and uh, he he just didn't have it and coach Pardee, Jack Pardee was our coach then and he decided early on he was gonna make a change. And uh, I just remember how quiet it got around midway through the first quarter, and it never changed. It was That was the quietest it's, it's, it's ever been in any of my visits up there, and it was also the easiest access to the parking lot after the game.
1: <laughs> Those kind of scores do tend to clear things out. You know, when, when Spurrier was at Florida and we were beating Florida – beating Georgia on a regular basis and beating them badly, we used to laugh and say by halftime, they'll be back in hay before dark. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, thanks for letting me share my memory. Well, thank I you, Lou. You bet.
1: All Very right. Fun. That's Cougar Lou, one of our most knowledgeable callers. Coach, Joe, you were talking about beating Georgia, and uh, for me it's beating Florida State. You know, I, I know Georgia should really be of more importance because they're in the SEC and – so many times the SEC championship came down to that game. But I guess the, the most fondest memory for me of beating Georgia had to be 1984 when we beat them 27 to nothing because in the 80s, I think we only won twice in the decade. And they were beating us pretty regularly in the 80s. And to beat them and the way that game unfolded, it was 20 to nothing in, uh, or maybe it was 17 to nothing, I think, and uh but right at the end of the third quarter, Georgia had the ball fourth down at about the three-yard line, I think. And they had a running back named Andre Pulpwood-Smith. And they gave the ball to old Pulpwood and it looked like he was going to get in the end zone. The Gators knocked him down short of the end zone. And uh, the third quarter came to an end. And when we came back out for the fourth quarter, we must have stopped him on the four-yard line because Kerwin Bell dropped back and hit Ricky Nateal with a 96-yard touchdown pass to seal that game up and we ended up winning 27 to nothing and that was a very sweet victory.
2: Yeah, it was especially sweet because uh, the 82 and 83 games where we lost to Georgia both of those years were particularly dispiriting. Uh, because, uh back then and and we may have talked about this in the past. I think we did when we talked to Bill Carr uh not, not that long ago. That the Gators back then weren't the power that they are now. Uh, They were trying to get there, and Georgia was always sort of in the way. And, you know, we'd lost the epic 1980 game, and 1981 was a similar type of of loss. And as as tough as those were, they weren't as dispiriting as 82 and 83. In both years, the Gators thought they were going to be pretty good. And uh, the 82 loss was completely blown out, and the 83 loss was worse because we were clearly by then – Herschel was gone and we were the better team and still managed to lose. So 84 was like a catharsis. That's what I remember. The uh, one and only time that I can recall the Georgia game where we went down and stormed the field after the game in Jacksonville. And uh, I, I still re- recall seeing uh, people hooking up a piece of the goalpost to the truck and driving <laughs> driving back down, <laughs> down towards Gainesville after that game. And, and I remember being down there and uh, it was... It, I I remember going down on the field. They didn't try to stop us. and It it, it was a blast. Uh, And and that's how I would describe 84 catharsis. And, and, and you know, we talked about 93, which is still one of my all-time favorite games, partly because it was in the rain and we were so cold and wet and still managed to Mm -hmm. win. And uh, the Gators, of course, were entering their, their uh, peak Spurrier years during that time because 94 and 95 are also f- favorites for different reasons. Both times were huge Gator wins, but 94, the only trip to Gainesville, and then 95, the only trip to Athens. The two years when they were renovating the Gator Bowl, you know, we, we talked to Shane earlier—I'm sorry, we talked to Judd Davis earlier, not Shane, we talked about Shane Edge, but we talked to Judd Davis earlier— And uh, he was talking about uh, how muddy it was. In 93, the Gator Bowl was still the old Gator Bowl. Didn't have the fancy drainage and and pro uh, type of facilities that they eventually put there when they renovated in 94 95. So it was particularly bad in the rain. And then in 94, it was in Gainesville, 95 was in Athens while we waited for the stadium to be renovated. And and those were special, special, once-in-a-lifetime type uh, experiences. You know, I think it was... Was it eighty three? We lost ten to nine. Yeah, yeah, that was that one hurt. (laughs) I remember
1: the the Bulldogs were saying, you know, in Gainesville it might be eight fifty in the morning, but in Athens it's still ten to nine. (laughs) And um, they had a lot of fun with us, and then Spurrier came, and they didn't have a whole lot of fun after that because he was eleven and one against them.
2: Settled a lot of scores during that decade. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I think they still hate him as a result of that, and that's fine. Like Spurrier said, if they like your coach, it means they're beating his butt. So uh, that was one of those things that, you know, just that's just part of the game. Well, to me, Florida State is the team that I always want to beat, and I was there. I I was very lucky in that 1997 Sugar Bowl when we beat them 52-20 for the national championship, and, of course, we'd lost – to them in Tallahassee in that game 24-21. And, um, you know, I'm sure they were favored. And, uh, boy, they had a heck of a team that year. I mean, we had an outstanding team too, but, boy, they were loaded. And uh, I remember beating them. And, uh, man, it was just such a wonderful feeling to beat them for the national championship and to beat them that soundly. And then the next year in 97, you know, both teams – Neither team had the same talent the next year. I mean, they were still very good, and we were still good, and we got down in the game, and it looked like they were going to beat us. And I remember they kicked a field goal to go up. I don't remember what the score was at that point when Janikowski came off the field doing the gator chomp,
2: and it looked like I think that gave him a four-point lead.
1: Yeah, and Janikowski comes off the field doing the gator chomp, and just you know they feel like the game's over and it's not. You know, in the first play, Doug hits um, quezzy for 60 yards down to about their 20. And then two plays later, we go in on the draw play and Fred Taylor scores. And uh, there's still like a minute left in the game. And, you know, it was ironic before the game, Dwayne Thomas, our linebacker, you know, he kind of had an undistinguished career, really. And uh, somebody asked him before the game, you know, this is your last game in the swamp. Um, what is your fondest memory? What? He said, "It hasn't happened yet," and then he intercepts that pass to clinch the game. And he was just going nuts after the game because it was almost like he
2: had predicted that. There's some games that just uh, will stay with you forever because you and you realize you were lucky to be there. That was one of them, in, in 1997, uh, 1993 game in, in Jacksonville, uh, the 1982 game against Southern Cal. Uh, in in the swamp uh, was another one, and the 1994, uh, Jed, Jed uh, Davis made a reference to it. Uh, the SEC championship game in 1994, the first one played in the dome, uh, was one of the greatest games I ever saw when we beat Alabama 24 to 23. And, and uh that th- those games are just highlights and the fact that we were beating either a national power like usc which was the game that put the gators on the map got them noticed for the first time on more than a regional level or, or beating a rival like georgia or fsu or winning a conference title against an alabama it was st- it was you know, coming off their own uh, national title season the previous year those are just amazing special memories and we'd like you to join us as we can head into our last segment 682 1430 and give us your special memories of rivalry games or the big games that you've had a chance to enjoy over the years That's what we're here for we're here to listen and to talk to you and ronnie what else are we going to do next segment
1: well we're going to have a sports quiz that 30 dollars gift certificate to miller's lakeland alehouse is on the line so all you have to do is give us a call 682 1430 if you haven't won the last six months And you could be the winner that's going out there to eat and drink on us. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7
0: WLKF.
4: Hi, this is Cody Lostro, PBR World
3: Champion, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone.
0: Ronnie O and Coach Joe are right here every Thursday talking sports in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All
1: right, great bumper music. I like that. All right, you're listening to Ronnie o and Coach Joe, and I know you're hungry and thirsty. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And here's our question. You heard it earlier when we were talking to Judd Davis. How many field goals did he kick against Georgia in 1993 in the pouring rain? Eric knows. Eric knows, and he's hungry and thirsty. But you don't want to invite him to go with you because you'll get nothing to eat. give us a call, and here, we'll make it easy for you. Was it three, four, or five? 682-1430, that's the question. And if you don't want to answer that one, we'll even give you another one. Who was the first boxer to beat Muhammad Ali? 682-1430, give us a call, and you could win that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. They're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue, and they have those forty strategically located television sets. You can watch your favorite sporting event anywhere in the restaurant, and you can eat and drink thirty dollars worth on us.
2: The Clarkster does not like to give up money, so what? There you go. This is a good uh, time of year, especially to be going to the ale house. Uh, I was there uh, this past Saturday. Uh, the draft, yeah, this past Saturday, the draft was still on. And actually, uh, General Manager Horry, he sat down with me and we were analyzing the draft as it went along. Uh, only three Gators chosen in the entire draft. However, that was the same number as UCF, FSU, and uh, Miami combined. So, <laughs> about wow. that. And also, at the same time, I was talking about the Gator softball team was in action. Plus, you had the NBA playoffs, which have started now, the hockey playoffs have started now this week. So, there is a lot going on. This is a time of year when you need to be somewhere where there's multiple TVs, and the 40 strategically located TVs at the Ale House are a good place to go, especially to enjoy their wings and uh, other great food while you watch.
1: There you go. 682 1430. How many field goals versus Georgia in 1993 did Judd Davis kick? We'll cut it down for you. Was it three or was it four? 682 1430 or which boxer first beat Muhammad Ali? 682 1430. You could be going out to the alehouse if you haven't won in the last six months. Today is the birthday of 1962 Heisman Trophy winner from Oregon State, Terry Baker. He was the first West Coast Heisman winner and he was also the point guard on Oregon State Beavers uh, basketball team. He averaged nine points a game, and uh, they played Villanova in the Liberty Bowl. He had a 99-yard run, and they beat Villanova 6-0. Of course, that can never be beaten. That will stand as the all-time record. But that year, 1962, he averaged 13.4 games in basketball and led the Beavers to the Final Four. Now, this guy was no dummy. He was a mechanical engineering major, then went and got a law degree. He played three years in the NFL and practiced law until he retired in 2012. Some of the people he beat out for the Heisman Trophy, Jerry Stovall. You might remember him from LSU. Bobby Bell, who was um, a Minnesota linebacker, played in the NFL, was in the NFL Hall of Fame. Remember him with the Kansas City Chiefs? Leroy Jordan, Alabama linebacker. George Myra. The great Miami Hurricane, who went on to play with the San Francisco 49ers. Pat Richter, wide receiver from Wisconsin. And Ron Vanderkellen, his quarterback at Wisconsin. Billy Lothridge, who punted and played quarterback at Georgia Tech. Vanderkellen was noteworthy because he beat, he led the college All-Stars over the Green Bay Packers in the college All-Star game. Can you imagine the Packers' practice with Vince Lombardi after the world champions got beat by the college all-stars?
2: Yeah, I believe that's about the only time that happened. It was an exhibition game that used to be played up until about 1973. Uh, when What well, happened a couple times? I suppose it may have. it yeah, it, it, uh, it depends on. I guess you know. On the one hand, you have to see how how uh, seriously one team took it. But I uh, know, knowing the Green Bay Packers and Vince Lombardi, I'm sure they took it very seriously, yeah. even though it was supposed to be an exhibition. I think that they, they they stopped doing it because, uh, but well, you know, as players became more and more valuable money wise, yeah. uh, the coaches of the other teams didn't want to risk their star new star rookies in such a contest. Exactly,
1: but boy, it was exciting. To see them play back in the day, and uh, you know, I forget, I think they beat them like four times. I think they beat the NFL champions three or four times. They might have beaten the Lions in '57 when the Lions won
2: their last championship. I maybe remember. I think Vander Kilns was the last t- I the think team right. to do it, yeah. maybe not the only team, but the yeah. last team to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, so so the uh, uh and the, uh, the now i guess they have the hall of fame game instead so that's like they treat that as a as a regular exhibition game it, it'd be interesting to see you know the nfl schedule comes out next thursday i think while we're live so uh, we'll be we'll be having something to announce although we already know that the bucks are going to be playing in germany against seattle I don't yeah. know if we know we don't know what day that is but we do know that's one of their games so the bucks will still have eight games in tampa uh, and then eight games true road games and then one game in germany
1: We've only got one minute left in the show, but we'll hang around for a little while for you to call in. 682-1430. 682-1430. How many field goals did Judd Davis kick in 1993 to beat Georgia? Was it three or four? Three or four? Which (laughs) boxer was the first to beat Muhammad Ali in 1971? March 8th, New York's Madison Square Garden knocked him down in the 15th round beat him
2: on points all right so we've got the napier interview locked and loaded for next week right we do that is correct good job getting that ronnie
1: that is correct so 682-1430 want to thank rick hurtado sports information director at the university of florida one of them who helped us get that interview and we're going to hang around for a minute so 682-1430 give us a call you can still win the sports quiz You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on
0: WLKF.